Genesis chapter uh, number 15, and of course, definitely looking forward to uh, the summertime as, you know, really, we're two-thirds of the way through it already, and it's been a hot week. Um, It's supposed to get cooler tomorrow, and, uh, you know, sometimes that rain doesn't look so bad after a hot week like this, Um, but I hope you've enjoyed your summer. And what we've kind of done this past month and what we're doing the month of August is more of a standalone sermons. And uh, that's what we'll do today in Genesis and chapter 15. And definitely looking forward to that. If you could stand to your feet and uh, we're going to get ready for um, the message today. Um, the Bible says there in Genesis chapter 15, after these sayings, the word of the Lord came into Abram and a vision saying, Fear not, Abraham, Uh, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of Chaldees to give thee into this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit We're going to go through the whole chapter today, but we'll just stop there this morning and uh, we'll have a word of prayer and then you can be seated. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for this opportunity we have to come to your house today. We realize we are nothing and without you we can do nothing. Lord, we come to you with hearts that are some heavy, maybe some are a little doubtful, maybe some are searching. Maybe some are overflowed already. Lord, we come because we want to hear your word. We want to worship you. We want to grow. We want to get closer to you. We want to learn more about you. Lord, you gave us your word for that very reason. I'm asking that you help me to get out of the way. May you just flow through me and speak through me. I've got to have your Holy Spirit power. Lord, I want your anointing. I want you to do a work that only you can this morning. Lord, there's people that have come all over the Portland area. Some are out of town visiting, or some are watching online, or some have uh, come searching. And I just pray that they'll get filled this morning, and their answers will be, will be answered, questions will be answered. I pray that you'll meet with us like only you can. And may we learn, as Abraham did, a very powerful truth that's life-changing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Years ago, in a Philadelphia congregation... There was three nine-year-old boys that on the same week gave their life to Christ. They got baptized, and then they joined the church. They were so excited. Of course, the church was too. But over the next few weeks and months, the church just had a rough year, and they were deteriorating, and to the point where it was sad to say they kind of disbanded and sold the building. One of those young boys, his name was Tony, He became a prolific um, author. He had a love for the Lord and tried to make that clear in his writings. 
decided one day to go back to that Philadelphia church and see if he could find the records. Even though the building had moved on and changed hands several times, he was able to find the records there in the building. And he came to the year that he was saved and baptized. And he pulled that card out and he looked at some of the names on there. And the other two boys, uh, one was Dick and the other one was uh, Bart. And he looked at those boys' names and he thought he had kept in contact with them. And he thought, you know, I know Dick is... In Africa, he's at a seminary, he's a professor, and he's teaching and training national pastors to go and reach their area for Christ. Bert, he's also a missionary. Of course, I'm an author, and God's really used us. He was kind of excited till he got to the end of the card, and the card, you know, said this. This has not been a good year for our church. We have lost 27 members. Three have joined But they were only children. It's interesting how when Tony read that, he thought, oh, if they would have only known what those three little children turned out for God and the impact they've made on this world today. But the problem is that's just human nature. We dwell in the present and we oftentimes struggle with what really could, good could come out of this. And here we have a story, a man named Abraham, who is going through a difficult season in his life. And he has questions, and he has doubts. And he's struggling with some of these things. But if he only knew what this meant, and what God was going to do, it would have changed his whole perspective. So this morning I want us to come to this passage with that thought in mind. And I have it broken up into three different places. First of all, the questions and doubts of Abraham. Second of all, the answers and assurances of God. And then third of all, we see the application or effects for us today. So join with me in verse number one, if you will, and we'll give you point number one. The questions and doubts of Abraham. The Bible says, after these things. What does that mean? Well, if you look at chapter 14, you see a king named Shaladamur, which I'll get it right, so bear with me, okay? Or maybe you just thought I said it right. I don't know. But anyway, have you ever come to a name in the Bible where you just say it confidently and it comes out and you're thinking, that probably is not what it says. But anyways... Shadalamur, he has conquered five different cities and towns, and they have to pay tribute to him. For 12 years now, they've paid tribute to him. One of those countries, cities was Sodom. And finally, the day came when these five kingdoms came together, and they said, this is enough's enough. We are going to rise up, and we're going to take this king down, and we're not going to pay tribute anymore. And so they did just that. They rose up and they attempted to take the king down, but the king was more powerful and squashed them. And once again, they were in subjection. But one of the captives they took of Sodom was Lot. And Lot's servant was the only one who escaped. And he ran to Abraham and he said, Abraham, your nephew Lot has been captured. And Abraham thought, well, I got to go get him. So he took 318 of his choice servants, or his servants, which was all of them, 
And he went through the night. And it was an interesting story. You can read all this another time if you want. But it was a miraculous uh, escape, if you will. He grabbed Lot and he, and he went back home. After the dust has settled, the adrenaline maybe is over. The blood quit. His heart quit pumping as fast. Abraham realized, you know, maybe that wasn't the brightest move I've ever made. Because <laughs> this king who's already squashed all these kingdoms, he's going to come after me. So with that in mind, we see the Bible says in verse 1, after these sayings, who came to Abraham? And his most fearful, his most, a struggling time in his life, the Lord, the word of the Lord, came unto Abram in a vision, saying, fear not, Abram. Now Abram was scared because he felt like the king is going to retaliate. It's going to come after him. And so we see, first of all, this morning, the first fear, if you will, that Abraham experiences, the first doubt, is retaliation. And maybe you have stood up for truth, or maybe you've done the right thing, and you fear of what's going to happen because of it. God comes to Abraham and says, fear not. I am thy sword, and I am thy great, I'm sorry, I'm thy shield, and thy great reward. So we see the fear, the doubt of retaliation. But there's another instance here. As soon as God says, fear not, (laughs) what happens? Abraham fears again. Abraham says, verse number two, what will thou give me? In other words, Abraham says, that sounds nice, God. I'm glad you're my shield. I'm glad you're my great reward. But are you really my great reward? Because... You haven't given me the one thing I wanted. Isn't that interesting that God can give us simply, usually everything wonderful there is to get, but if it's that one thing that we really want and he doesn't give us, we can get frustrated with God. And Abraham's been blessed beyond measure, but he does not have a son. And I see, second of all, the relationship, if you will, the relation. He's afraid of the retaliation. And then he has the doubts. Is God really going to come through with this area of relation? You see, in those days, if you died without having a son, all your money, all your wealth would go to your steward or your servant. And in this particular case, the steward of my house, Eliezer of Damascus. And even though he was a good steward and a good servant, Abraham did not want to give everything to him. So we see he's doubting here. He says, God, you say you're my great reward, but really what have you rewarded me? You haven't even given me a son. Well, what does God say in verse number five? Look, and he brought him forth abroad. This is God and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. You know what God says? He takes that doubt. He takes that question from Abraham and doesn't even flinch. He says, come here. Let's go outside. Look upstairs. Look up there. How many stars do you see? If you can even count them. That's how your seed's going to be. Can you imagine maybe if Abraham's getting a little excited here? Maybe his confidence coming back. Maybe his fear's starting to go away. But it's amazing to me. That Abraham pushes a limit, if you will. Look at verse number 3. He says, And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, 
One born in my house was my heir, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come. Forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he set, brought him forth abroad and said, of course, we read that. You know what Abraham says? How, how am I going to know? How am I going to know I'm going to hear? I know, I know you said this is going to happen, but how am I going to know? Now, I don't know about you, but men, have you ever been there where your wife has maybe doubted in you a little bit? You know, hey, we got this. We're going to pay all our bills this month. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. Just trust me, baby. After all, I'm Superman. I got this. And then a few minutes later, maybe she says, hey, hey, wait a minute here. Now, I know you're Superman and all, but I haven't seen you do any Superman-like things. Are you sure you're going to come through? But this is the third time. Now, how many men out there would be excited and thrilled with your wife if she came at you three times in one sitting, doubting you? I don't know about you, but I'd be like, well, I won't tell you because my wife's in here, okay? So... But I'll tell you, I, I don't know how happy I would be. But it's amazing to me that God was patient with Abraham. And I want to encourage you with this this morning, that God is very patient with doubters. You see, not only has Abraham doubted God, he is also starting to doubt himself. He's starting to doubt that maybe I just can't do it. Maybe I can't, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not upholding my end of the agreement here, my end of the covenant. Maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So God maybe hasn't given me a son because it's something I've done. Have you been there before? Maybe I'm not getting blessed from God like so-and-so because I'm not doing what they're doing. And we can put a huge weight and a huge burden on ourselves because we think maybe we're just not, we're just not good enough or we're not doing enough. But God says, hey, I'm going to be patient with you, Abraham. Abraham questions, God answers. Abraham responds, and then he needs to be reassured. He then brings on more doubt. But I'm here today to tell you, first of all, God is very patient with doubters. But second of all, God does not let you stay in your doubt. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Justin? Well, let's look at a different story. And John chapter number 20, one of the most familiar, famous doubters in the Bible, Thomas. And what does Thomas say in verse 20? But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with him when Jesus came. Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas says, I am not going to believe unless I see it and I can put my fingers in and you're not going to change my mind, disciples. But what did Jesus do when he came? In verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, this is Jesus speaking, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. That's when God says, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm okay with you doubting, but I'm not going to let you stay there. You can experience, you can put your fingers in my holes, you can put your hand on my side, but you're not going to stay that way. Because, Be not faithless, but believe. And what did Thomas respond? And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Aren't you glad for a God this morning that will let you have your doubts and questions, but will keep on you until you believe? 
don't know how many times in my life I've doubted and questioned God and I've just kept going to him, kept on doing right, and God just kept finally answering him and helping me and, and get me established and stronger in my faith. I see, first of all, the questions and the doubts of Abraham, but I want us to see, second of all, that God answers and he assures Abraham. Read with me, if you will, in verse number 9. Silently while I read aloud, the Bible says, And he said unto him, Take me and heifer of three years old. So keep in mind, Abraham's doubting. He's wondering. He's trying to figure this out. He's having questions. And God gives him a directive. He says, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a bunch of animals here, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He says, Hey, you need to go and get these animals. So what does Abraham do? Well, we see Abraham's decision in verse 10. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. So God gives this directive. He says, Abraham, go get these animals. And that's all he says to do. But what does Abraham do? He gets these animals. He cuts them down the middle. He divides them. And then kind of like a train track, if you will, he puts one on either side with a path in between. Now, why would he do that? I mean, God didn't tell him to do that. Why would he do that? Well, I see, third of all, our dilemma. God's directive. We see uh, Abraham's decision. And then we see our dilemma. In other words, uh, that's very confusing. Why would he do that? Well, I was reading this week in my devotions, Jeremiah and chapter number 34. The Bible says, And I will give the men... That have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they had made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. Abraham knew that they were about ready to make a covenant. God was about ready to give him his promise and tell him what he's going to do. Back in those days, of course, in our present time, if you're going to make a covenant, you're going to make a contract, you get a piece of paper and pen out. I remember when we bought our house last year, my wife and I signed about that many papers, you know. We're going to bind you to that. We're going to keep you to that. This is your house and you're going to pay us back for it. Well, in those days, it was more of an oral contract. They would act it out. And what would happen was there was two sides to the covenant, two people. And one would pass through the bodies of the animals, the carcasses. And the other one would pass through. And that, what that was saying was... By me passing through and by you passing through, that we will keep our commitment to each other. And if we cannot do it, you can rip me in pieces like these animals. Now that's pretty amazing. Now why they did it that way, I have no idea, but that's how they did it. But, let me just say this, why don't you try that next time when that contractor comes to your house? (laughs) He gets his pen and paper out and says, here we go, start signing. And you say, no, 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 no. Now, with the pen and paper, that's so archaic. Let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to go down to my calf pen. I'm going to get my three heifers. I'm going to split them in half. I'm going to put them down. And we'll walk through them. You walk through them and I walk through them. And what that will show is that if we don't perform our commitment, the money you said you would do, the time you said you would do, then I'll rip you into pieces. And if, if I can't pay you, like I said, you rip me into pieces. Now, I don't know about you, but... That's pretty crazy. However, I think maybe if that happened, it would be sure to be done right, you know. But for whatever reason, this is how they did it. 
Now, there's something else you need to know about covenant. And that is the non-equals. See, back in these days, the kings would conquer smaller cities. And those they would conquer would be called vassals. And the vassal and the king would make a covenant. And instead of both parties crossing through, only the vassals would part, cross through. And the vassals were, this was considered, the king was being merciful that he would even go into a covenant with them. So the king would not have to pass through. In other words, the king would not have to be torn in treads if he does not perform his covenant. But the vassal would have to keep his end of the covenant or else it would be certain death. So you see this covenant. You see there's, there, 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 there's a king would not have to, but the vassal would have to carry his own. And no doubt the Bible says in verse number 10, he laid each piece one out. He did not divide the birds. In verse 11, when the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abraham drove them out. No doubt Abraham was thinking, even though he was wrong, that he was going to have to do the same thing with God here. God was going to walk through. And that was his way of saying, I'm going to uphold my covenant and I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to give you an inheritance and I'm going to give you a, a, a lineage that will be like the stars of heaven. And Abraham thought, even though he was wrong, that he was going to have to walk through that line. And he didn't think he was going to be able to uphold that covenant. He didn't have the Bible like we have today. He didn't know exactly what all he had to do, if he was capable of doing all that. And so he gets ready, maybe to walk through. And the Bible says in verse number 12, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. So Abraham was not able to walk through. A deep sleep, a deep horror, if you will, when you look at the translation and what those words mean. A deep horror, a deep sleep, a deep terror came along uh, uh, Abraham. And the Bible says, the Lord said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be in a stranger's land. And he kind of gives them all these things. And the Bible says in verse number 17, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace... And a burning lamp passed between those pieces. So think with me, if you will, if you were Abraham, a deep sleep, deep horror, you're, you're laying down and maybe a little groggy, but you start seeing some things. A smoking furnace, a light comes through. If you look at that out, it's very difficult to, not everyone agrees on it, but the bottom line is it could be a pillar of smoke, kind of like the uh, cloud that led the Israelites by day, and the pillar of fire, a uh, blazing torch that led the... It, it was kind of like Mount Sinai when God revealed himself, uh, the, 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 the smoke and the, and the flame. In other words, what it's saying here is while he's sleeping, while he's this terror is over him, while he's kind of groggy watching this, we see the Lord goes through the animals. Or can you imagine being Abraham saying, okay... I did, I did everything I was supposed to do. The Lord just went through. And now, I have to get up and go through. Can you imagine what was going in Abraham's mind? What's going to happen when I walk through? I'm going to be torn into pieces. There's no way I can do this. But look at verse number 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham... Saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt into the greatest river, the river Euphrates. You know what happened? God never gave Abraham a chance to walk through. Only he walked through. What does that mean for us today? What does that mean to Abraham? 
God is ultimately saying, if I don't come through on my promise, Abraham, then I am willing to be torn into pieces. You know what God's saying? Abraham, if I do not fulfill my end of the pieces, then my immortality will become mortality. What's impossible will become possible. I will be ripped in treads and I will no longer be the God of all gods. And the same day he says, I am not asking you, Abraham, to pass through. No, 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 Abraham. I am willing to take on all the responsibility and give you an unconditional grace and unconditional love that I will uphold my end of the bargain. I will not fail. But if you fail, I will still be torn into pieces. I am willing to take full responsibility for this. Now, can you imagine being Abraham and seeing that and the burden may be coming off your shoulders? Wow. God, you're willing to do that? You're willing to do that on your own? No king would ever do that. But you're also willing to walk through and do what no king would ever do. You're willing to walk through and you're willing to take on all the responsibility from me? Wow, why would you do that? But what Abraham didn't know... You and I know, do we not? Mark in chapter 15, verse 33 says, And when the faith, when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. We see something happening that hasn't happened for a long time. A darkness comes over this area. The Bible says in this darkness of terror in Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You know what's happening here? The Lord is acting out this covenant that he told Abraham. And he said, Abraham, just like I did then, I'm doing now, as we'll see in a little bit. I am taking on the iniquity and the sins of all mankind. I am taking full responsibility of all mankind in the past, in the present, and in the future. I'm taking all their sins upon me and I am willing to be torn apart. I am willing to be whipped and to, be, to not even look like a human being and thorns are crushed on my head and I've been nailed to a cross and I'm sitting there and I can hardly breathe and I'm dying in agony, the worst death possible. And while he's dying, he says... It is finished. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He did all that for you and for me, even though we didn't deserve it. Just like he did for Abraham years ago, he's doing for you and me today. We, like Abraham, could not fulfill our end of the bargain. There's no way we could have upheld the covenant. We could have never done a perfect. The Bible says, for all have sinned. That word sin is an ancient medieval term when they used to throw darts or, th- or shoot arrows at, at a target if they missed just a fraction or if they missed by a mile. It was the same thing. They are, it was a sin. They, they had missed the mark. The Bible says for all have sinned. We've all, no matter how little our sin or how great our sin, we've all missed the mark and have come short of the glory of God. The Bible says for the wages of payment of our sin that we've come short is death and hell. And I'll never forget the day when I was a boy and I realized, maybe not to the magnitude of the message today, I don't know if I could have quite wrapped my, my mind around this as a 10-year-old boy, but one thing I did wrap my mind around is I had no hope without Jesus. And that my sin was keeping me from God. I wasn't a awful, who knows, maybe I was an awful boy. Don't talk to my parents, okay? I don't think I was a wicked heathen dog, but I know I had done wrong. I had lied. I had picked on my brothers and sisters and 
started fights with them. I, I had disobeyed my parents. And that sin was keeping me from Jesus. And just like Abraham realized that I have no hope and I'll be torn into pieces because I'm going to fail at trying to keep the covenant. Jesus says, don't worry about it. The Lord says, don't worry about it, Abraham. I'm going to take it all upon me. And just like that, you and me had no hope. There's no way. We couldn't have gone to church enough. We couldn't have given enough money to, to good things. We couldn't have done enough good to our neighbors. There's no way we could do it all because we've sinned. We've missed the mark. And because of that, Jesus had it down the cross. And we see in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He was willing to be the curse the curse that was the, the covenant that Jeremiah said, because you haven't filled up the, your mark of the, you, you, you've fallen into the curse. And that same curse God took upon us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, there's the key, might come on the Gentiles, that's you and me, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Amen. You understand this morning that you had no hope without God. And God was willing to do for you what no one else could do. And he died on a cruel cross of Calvary to pay for your sins and mine. You say, well, I didn't ask him to. It doesn't matter. He did it anyways. He did it for you. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. Repent of your way of thinking. It's not what I can do. It's about what you did for me, Jesus. And I put my faith and trust in you alone. So with that being said, let's go to number three, the applications or effects for us today. Christianity is the only religion that says Christ has done everything for you. I mentioned this this morning in the 830 class. Uh, but I, uh, when people say to you, every religion's the same. It's all the same. No, it's not. Only religion... Christianity that says that the King, Jesus Christ, is willing to pass through for you. He's willing to give everything for you. Every other religion says it's about what you can do for Him, and maybe He'll do it for you. But Christianity says, no, no, the Word of God says Jesus Christ did it for you. Whether you deserve it or not, He did it for you. That's what grace is. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's nothing you can do, it's a gift of God. No other religion says this. In fact, Paul teaches on it in Ephesians 2.9. Not of works, not of anything you can do, not of your merit, but lest any man should boast. You see, Christianity says Jesus came to find you because you could have never found him. I'm thankful for the day when Jesus Christ came and found me. The Bible says in Luke 19, verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to his house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't know about you this morning, but when this all came together for me, it was an exciting moment for me. I already knew I was saved, but it was exciting to see that this picture in the Old Testament was fulfilled in the New Testament for us, for you and me. Abraham not only got out of taking the oath of his covenant, but we too, if we give our life to Christ, we don't have to do a thing but give our life to Christ. And we can go to heaven when we die. Now when we talk about doubting, talk about questions, 
Let me encourage you today. You can anchor your soul on this. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Aren't you glad this morning we have an anchor of the soul, and that soul, our anchor is Jesus Christ. Anchors are very important if you're on a boat. We, uh, we rented a boat a couple of weeks ago in Tennessee. Actually, I say we, my father-in-law did. And we came to the little island, or the little shore to eat. Man, we tied that boat, and we tied it again and again. Why? Because we couldn't afford for that boat to just go away. We needed it, and we had to return it. Aren't you glad this morning that we can root and anchor ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ? And when questions and doubts come, we can say, you know what, Lord? Here's my doubt and question. Here you go. And Jesus says, oh, I'm here for you. I'll answer you. I'll help you. I'll be there for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness within our spirit that we are the children of God. So when you feel uncertainty like Abraham, run to God. And my second question to you today is, have you accepted this covenant with God? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you realize maybe today for the first time you realize what Jesus Christ did for you? He did everything for you. We had no hope without him. You say, well, why do Christians get so excited about the things of God? Why do they get so excited about heaven? Why do they get so excited about what Jesus did for them? Because we had no hope without it. And until we gave our life to Christ, man, we realized that we are saved to the uttermost. And that one day we will be with Jesus in heaven. That is the greatest thing in all the world. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. My question to you is simply this. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you realize what Jesus Christ did for you? You had no hope. You say, well, I don't like that. I, I, I want to do it myself. Well, the bottom line is, no matter how hard you try, it's not enough. Abraham realized that. Abraham was probably one of the single greatest Christians to ever walk the face of the earth. And he needed God's help. Let me ask you a question this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. And by the way, we don't want to embarrass anyone. That's not what we're about here. No one's looking around. But we do want to pray for you, maybe, if that's you. We want to help you, maybe, if that's you. How many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin? I I had it all backwards. I had it all wrong. I realized today that I need Jesus in my life. I want a relationship with him. I want his saving grace. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning, anybody? I'm looking around the auditorium. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Anybody else, maybe? God bless you. In the balcony, maybe? If that's you this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, here's a prayer that my mom helped me pray. It wasn't the prayer that saved me. It wasn't a perfect way of saying it. It was just me putting my faith and trust in God. And that's what you're going to do right now if you want to accept Christ. Just say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. I've tried. I know I'm not good enough, and you know I've tried. I know I'm a sinner, and I deserve hell, and I don't want to go there. I believe and trust in you and invite you into my life. I repent of my way of thinking, and I fully 
trust and believe on you and you alone. Please come to my heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe that was you this morning. You say, Pastor Justin, I prayed that prayer. No one's looking around. But you say, you know what? We, I want to... Pastor Justin, I want to I show God this morning, and I want to show you that, that I pray that prayer. I'll, I'll just slip my hand up real quick. If that's you, will you slip your hand? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, you know, I'm like Abraham. I have my question and doubts, even though I know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I, I've had some struggles, and I've learned this morning that I need to run to God. I need to run to his word. I need to listen to his Holy Spirit's prompting in my life. I need to spend some time in prayer. I need, to, I need to let God help me with my doubts. If that's you, we slip your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. That, that really brought in a new light to me. Uh, I, I, I really, really can appreciate what Christ did for me. Wow. I mean, I just need to be reminded of that again. And the Lord kind of touched my heart. I want to recommit maybe. I want to just get back involved again. I, I just want to let God know I love him again. I, I just want to appreciate, show him how much I appreciate what he did for me. Will you pray for me that I'll be able to reconnect with God again? If that's you, will you slip your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for those who gave their life to you this morning. Or thank you for those who maybe um, just have some questions and doubts. I pray that they know that you're a patient God, but they don't want you to stay. You don't want them to stay there. And may they run to you, run to your word, run to someone maybe who can help them. Maybe, maybe uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to work and may they spend time with you and may you help them with those areas. Or be with those who maybe want to recommit their life. They've already been saved, but they have a greater appreciation maybe than for what you've done for them. And they, they want to just show you how much they love you. I pray you'll help them as they continue to serve you and grow closer to you. Or maybe there's someone in here this morning that, that's been talking and praying about maybe discipleship or taking that next step or and getting involved in a Sunday school class or maybe following you in baptism or maybe serving or maybe um, joining the church. They'll just decide that today they're going to do it. They want to do it. They want to make that commitment. And Lord, I pray you'll be with each and every one of us, Lord. Maybe those who are struggling today. Maybe there's someone who's just, just having a hard time and, and they just need you. I pray you'll work in their hearts. Bless the invitation, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's going to play. We'll just have a brief invitation. Maybe you're here for the first or second time and you say, you know, what is this time for? This is just a time where we have an opportunity. Maybe you'd like to come forward and talk to one of our pastors and pray with them. Maybe you'd like to come forward and just pray a prayer dedication to God and say, God, please help me. Maybe you'd like to, you prayed that prayer and accepted Christ in your life and you, you want everybody to know about it. You're willing to come forward and, and share that with someone. God wants to help you. God wants to be there for you. And our pastors will be happy to help you along that journey. Let me encourage you this morning to not walk away without spending some time with God right now. You cannot hear a truth from God's word, any truth at all, without letting it impact your life and say, God, is that for me? How can I use it? How can you apply it to my life? And I believe God wants you to do that this morning as you spend some time with him in prayer as the piano plays.
Well, God bless you. I appreciate your faithfulness, and thank you for being here. What a great day it's been in the Lord's house, and I hope you know that uh, we love you here. We're, we're so excited that you're here. If you could be seated, uh, we just have a quick video we want to share with you, just kind of sharing some things that are coming up, and uh, then we'll be dismissed this morning. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a special sermon from Pastor Mutchler. On Sunday, August 7th, there will be a very important meeting for all Sunday school teachers with Brother Justin Lehman. Join us in the auditorium at 5 p.m. for the preliminary service. Then we will be dismissed to the Abundant Life room after the special music. Please bring a snack to share if you would like, which can be dropped off in the Abundant Life room before the service. Mark your calendars for the Churchwide Outreach this Saturday, August 6th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in our community. Looking for a Bible study group? We have something for everyone here. The Men's Prayer Breakfast meets on Saturdays at 9 a.m. in the Abundant Life Room. You will get to participate in an open discussion about the proverb of the day and be served breakfast and spend time in prayer. The Ladies' Bible Study is held Monday at 9.30 a.m. at the Muxler's Home. Enjoy a time of fellowship, a cup of coffee, and a Bible lesson from Miss Vicki. There will be a special teen soul-winning marathon on Saturday, August 20th. The marathon starts at 10 a.m. and will conclude at 6 p.m. If you would like your teenager to participate, please see T.J. Gardner for more details. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out a Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, please know two things. God loves you, and Pastor Mutzler and myself love you, and we're praying for you. Hope you have a great week. Come back tonight. I know Pastor's excited about the message God has for him. You are dismissed.